Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. And so this morning, we're going to dive in. I'm going to, I'm going to jump right in. We're going to talk about David in the Bible. Okay? And now David is a really interesting character, and he's probably my favorite character for some reasons I'm going to get into here in a few minutes. But David, before he was a king, all right, so let's just, we'll, we'll do some, we'll do some uh, interactions, some trivia, right? Before he was a king, what was he? Yeah, he was a shepherd. Well, he's probably a lot of things, right? But yes, he was a shepherd. That is the answer that, that, that I was looking for. And so in this time period, you probably can't get a bigger range of life from from a shepherd in a field to a king in a palace, right? That was probably the the most possible, the the biggest, the widest range of life that anybody could have had in that time frame is to go from a shepherd, like with sheep in the field, all the way to a king in the palace. And so there are multiple parallels in the story to Christ. And and his life follows this trajectory from from this shepherd to this king. and, And it comes to this kind of crescendo, one of them anyway, there are probably several in his life, but when he fights this um, giant named Goliath, right? And so most scholars believe that this giant was somewhere around nine feet tall, and he goes out and he cuts this, he, he throws a rock at him, he cuts this giant's head off, and it's absolutely an amazing story. But there's this really interesting backstory to this that you don't hear a whole lot about, right? And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. So I'm gonna set it up for you. All right, so first of all, you gotta understand that there was this prophet in the time and his name is Samuel. And he's the mouthpiece of God in Israel, right? He's God's voice. Anytime God speaks, he's gonna speak a word through Samuel. So he is arguably one of the most, maybe the most important man in all of Israel. All right. And God tells him that he's going to go to somebody's house. He tells him the name of the place, tells him the name of the man. And he says, you're going to go there and you're going to anoint the next king of Israel. And when you get there, I'm going to show you who it is. Right. And so Samuel comes there and and this man is there and he starts bringing his sons in front of him. And the first one is this, you know, tall and he's kind of muscular and, you know, real fit young man. And, And Samuel in his mind immediately says, you know what? That's got to be the one. That's our next king right there, right? And God speaks to him and he says, he says, don't judge by his appearance. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Aren't you glad God looks at your heart this morning, right? You know, this morning he knows everything you've ever done. He knows every thought you've ever thought. And here's the craziest part about that is he still loves you, right? I think about some of the things I've done and some of the things I've thought, and God, there's no way you could love me, but he does, right? Because all of the wrath for all of the things that you've done in your life that were contrary to the nature of God, God poured his wrath out on Jesus at the cross so he didn't have to pour it out on you, amen? So we're gonna start reading in 1 Samuel 16, Um, and right here, Jesse is making all of his sons go in front of Samuel. So we're going to read in verse eight. It says, then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. And next Jesse summoned Shimei, but Samuel, but, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. And in the same way, all of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And then Samuel asked, are these all the sons that you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Now, let's pause right there for a second. First of all, how would you like to be David? Right? The most important man in all of Israel is coming to anoint the next king, right? And, and dad's got all of your brothers in there, and he's passing them before this guy, and he doesn't even bother to tell you that he's coming. Like, you're still out in the field watching the sheep. Look, can I just encourage you this morning that people may have discredited you, 
They may have discounted you. Maybe, maybe people have spoken wrong things over you or, bad, or negative things over you. Maybe all of your life. Stay close to the heart of God. Stay diligent in the things that God has for you. He said that the steps of the righteous are ordered. In other words, he knows exactly where you are, right? You're not off track. He, you, you haven't gotten off of his radar. He knows the plan for your life. And the Bible says he thinks good things for, about you and he's got good plans for you, amen? So Samuel says, all right, well, if you got another son, get him in here, right? So he brings David in. Samuel takes one look and he says, God says, this is the one. Go ahead and anoint him. And let's skip to verse 13. It says, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So I love David for a lot of reasons. All right, David did a lot of great things and he did a lot of really dumb things. All right, and the dumb things part, that's kind of what reminds me of me a lot of times. But, God, but, but you know what else David had? He had a passion for God. He had a love for God. And, and when David believed in something, like he was going all the way for it, right? You know another thing I love about David? Like David was hustling, right? He was just about it. Like his whole life, you can see from beginning to the end, he was just like taking care of business and making things happen like his entire life. And it's interesting, the contrast between him and his brothers, right? So he's out working in the field and I'm sure his brothers, you know, were hard workers and everything, but it seems like at this time, like it feels like they're kind of just chilling, right? Like they're just you know, they're, they're in there with dad and they're kind of relaxed and David's out there taking care of the sheep and he's doing all the work and I'm sure there's plenty of work to be done, right? But they're just kind of in the house, like just, just relaxing, right? So I know this morning was early and you guys came early. How many of you like literally have a plan in your head to go home after this and you're gonna snooze? Like you're just gonna like chill in your house, right? Okay, look, some of you are honest. Some of you are kind of like, yeah, yeah. So listen, last week, um, we had, of course, two services here and we had open house uh, and some just incredible families here uh, at open house. And some of you are here this morning. And after that, so I was on my way home and Megan texts me and she's like, hey, can you stop by the grocery and pick up a couple of things? And yeah, okay, yeah, no problem. So, so I stopped and I got a couple of things. And by the time I got home and I ate lunch, it was like four o'clock, right? So, so I sit down on the couch and I turn on a Marvel movie, okay? So when I wanna, so Megan, when she likes to relax, she wants to watch like a calm, like British movie. Like when I wanna chill, I wanna watch an action, like, a, like, like give me a Marvel movie, give me some death, and give me some like just people kill. That's what I wanna see, right? She can't understand that. But so I put on this Marvel movie and I'm sitting there on the couch and I'm just, you know how you kind of get in that like twilight phase? Right, so I'm kind of in that like halfway and she's like, hey honey, I'm gonna take the dog for a walk, okay? And so, yeah, you know, I think I kind of gave some kind of response to her. And so she walks out the door and I, I, I fell asleep on the couch and it couldn't have been like 10 minutes, right? It couldn't have been long, but you ever wake up and you're just like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what year it is. I don't know my name. Like. Like I was completely out of it, right? And so I wake up and it felt for some reason like it had been like a couple of hours. And so like Megan's note, I don't know where the kids are. Like has the rapture come? I don't know what's going on, right? So I call her up and I'm like, babe, where are you? And she's like, uh, I told you like five minutes ago, I'm taking the dog for a walk. And so I tried to play it off. I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's not, I, you know, I wasn't worried. I was just, you know, jacking on you. And so, so look, that's what I pick, and I know I'm taking some artistic liberty here, but that's what I picture David's brothers doing. Like they're just kind of chilling around the house and David is out in the field being diligent, taking care of the sheep, he's working hard. And so listen, if you're taking notes this morning, I got a couple of points I wanna share with you, okay? Here's the first one. God anoints diligent people, all right? So David was, was he was working. He was busy. He was making himself useful. 
He was making things better for himself and for the people around him. And I was, as I was reading through this story, like all these amazing feats that David did, you, you know what I couldn't help but think about? I couldn't help but think about all the time that the Bible kind of glazes over that David spent out in that field. Now, look, the, the Bible has lots of metaphors, okay? And lots of symbolism, and, and, and we use this all the time, right? So, so if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard us talk about like different seasons in your life, and they kind of represent, you know, geographical areas will represent these seasons, right? So you'll hear us talk about like when you're on the mountaintop, right? And things are going good, and my life is blessed, and marriage is, you know, great, and my kids are doing well in school, and business is going great, right? And then you'll hear us talk about like the valley, right? And the valley is this, you know, difficult time and, and nobody understands what I'm going through and, and everything seems to be against me and nothing's working right. And then you'll hear us sometimes talk about like the desert, like this dry place, right? Where you're, you're walking through and you can't really hear the voice of God and you can't feel his presence like you, like you could at one time. And then, and then so, so we talk about all of these different areas, but you know what we don't talk, talk about a whole lot? Is the field, right? So in the field, there are lots of really interesting stories, maybe interesting, depending on who you are, right? May, really interesting stories about fields in the Bible. And there's one thing that they all have in common, that these fields are pieces of land that were cultivated, right? They, they required some work, all right? So think about, think about a wilderness and think about a field. Like somebody's either come in and like cut down a bunch of trees, or maybe the land has been plowed, or maybe the land, they, they put seed in the land, or maybe they've harvested the land. Maybe the land has cattle on it, or maybe it has sheep on it, or goats on it, but somehow, somewhere, somebody has put a lot of effort into that field. And so today what the Bible, or, or what, what this field represents for us is the day-to-day, -day, regular, continual work. And can I be honest? A lot of times, that's not super exciting, right? For a lot of you, that may mean a job that you're not particularly fond of. Okay, for a lot of you, that, that may mean raising challenging kids. Or, or maybe you're taking care of a sick loved one. And a lot of times it feels like we're, when we're in the field, when we're in that just day-to-day -day grind, when we're in the regularness of life, sometimes it can feel like we're just going in circles. So I'll tell you a true story. When I was, um, until I was about 12 years old, I lived on this very small operational farm, okay? So a lot of you don't know that about me. That's a true story. Um, so look, I don't wanna give you the wrong idea. I wasn't like driving a tractor every day, and, but, but we had some little animals and we had some crops. We had, we had this field behind our house and there were a couple of acres of crops out there, right? And we had like cabbage and potatoes and onions and corn and think of all the kind of, you know, normal staple things, right? And for me, like what typifies this, uh, this memory in my mind was I would get off the bus and, and I'm, I'm get, I've got plans in my mind, right? Or what I'm gonna do. Maybe it's nice weather outside and I'm gonna get my bike or I'm gonna go meet my friends or I'm gonna play with some toys outside or whatever. And I would come around the back of the house and, my, and I'd see them, like my family is out there in that field, right? And I'm just inside me, like everything is like, no! Because I know what this means, like for the next several hours, rather than do what I wanna do, rather than get on my bike, rather than go meet my friends, I'm gonna be in that field and I'm gonna be working. And I re so my parents were into canning, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, canning like the mason jars? And so, we probably canned a lot of different things, but for some reason I only remember like green beans. That's the, that's the one that mm, sticks. Because, so green beans, you gotta, you gotta plant the green beans and then you gotta pick the green beans and you gotta break the green. Have any of you broken beans? <sighs> Look, I have spent hours and hours and hours, probably days and weeks of my life breaking beans, 
right? And you put them in the little jar and you put them in the, uh, uh, the pressure cooker to, you know, cook them down and, you, you know, you're going to save them for the apocalypse or the, or the winter or whatever you're stashing them back for, right? And I remember, and, and I, you know what? I remember the first time I walked, so when you're a kid, you don't pay attention to prices of groceries, right? But I remember I was probably about 11 years old and I walked into a store and I paid attention to a price of a can of green beans for like the first time in my life. And it was like 30 cents or something. And I'm like, what have you done to me? But, but breaking those beans and canning those beans and spending that time in the field, to me, it represented like this day-to-day just monotonous grind that I wanted to get out of. Now, David at this time, most scholars believe when this happened, he was between 10 and 15 years old. And let me explain something real significant that happened, okay? So when Samuel comes and he's got this flask of olive oil and he pours it on David's head, all that is, that oil is a representation of the calling of God on your life. It's the calling of God to do something, okay? In fact, those terms are kind of interchangeable, right? You've, you, you've been called to do something or you've been anointed to do something, right? That, that's where this term came from. And so let me give you the modern day equivalent of this, all right? It would be like Pastor Jeff coming in here tomorrow and, and, and let's take Adam, right? Pastor Jeff says, Adam, God had me up all night and he told me that you are gonna be the next president of the United States, right? He's going to come right here out of Elevate Church. And not only that, but you are going to, you're going to change this nation and you're going to bring people's hearts back to God. And you're going to implement laws and rules in this land that are going to really bring my people close to me. And he says, you know what, Adam, you don't have to worry about anything, like anything in your life for the rest of your life, you don't have to stress about because I've got you taken care of in every single thing. You don't have to worry about your material needs. In fact, not only you don't have to worry about money, your kids aren't gonna have to worry about money. Your grandkids aren't gonna have to worry about money. And, and just to go ahead and get you started, and let's say Pastor Jeff's got this briefcase with him and he hands him this briefcase. He's like, here's $10 million, like just to get you going, right? So, so this This is the level of life change that's happening in David's life right here. All right, now I want you to put yourself into David's shoes for just a minute, right? You were a shepherd in a field and all of a sudden this guy comes to you and says, hey, you're gonna be the next king of Israel. God has anointed that and he's declared that. So my kids went to my grandparents uh, or their grandparents, my parents, uh, a couple of weeks back, and they saw this commercial for Publishers Clearinghouse, okay? You guys know what Publishers Clearinghouse is? All right, so you used to, back in the day, you had to take, you had to like put stuff in envelopes and like put little stamps on it and you had to mail it out, right? Publishers Clearinghouse is much easier today, I guess. You have to scroll through a bunch of nonsense, I think, and click, you know, a bunch of buttons to get registered into the, you know, and then you're in the, uh, the you're in the, running for the winning and then you're in the running for the grand prize and I don't know how it all works but but they saw this commercial and they're convinced like if dad will just get in publishers clearinghouse like we're gonna win like millions of dollars okay and and so they've got this scheme (laughs) so they tell me about this scheme that they're gonna uh create multiple email addresses right so that they can enter in multiple times look my kid so Omar comes to me last week. Omar works in the kids area. And he comes to me last week and he's like, your kids are either going to be like entrepreneurs or they're going to be like crime bosses, right? Because Nora's back there in the kids area and she comes up to him and she's like, hey, Omar. She's like, a bunch of kids were, uh, were stealing candy out of the candy bowl. And Omar's like, you know, kind of like, okay, and kind of pats her on the head and like, you know, go back into, you know, and, and she just keeps looking at him. She's like, well, I told you are you going to give me some candy? And like Omar literally tells me, he's like, I was just intimidated. And so I just gave her, gave her the candy. But so they've got this scheme, right? On how that they're going to get this money. And then they've got the plans to spend the money. So I said, okay, so let's say you get, you win Publishers Clearinghouse. What are you going to do with it? Right? So here's what they told me. Ezra says, I'm going to reinvest, which if you know Ezra, that makes total sense, right? I'm going to reinvest. And he says, I'm going to 
eat Chipotle, okay? So this is what's on the top of a 12-year-old's boy's mind, all right? So Nora says she's going to get Sushi Weekly. <sighs> These kids. She's going to buy a Lamborghini, which I didn't even know Nora knew what a Lamborghini was, and a hamster, all right? So she's got a Lamborghini and a hamster, all right? And so then to try to really seal the deal with me and like make this a holy thing about God, they're like, dad, they got this new thing where like you win the money and then you choose a friend to win the money. So here's what we can do. We'll win the first one. We'll give the second one to the church, right? That's their big thing, right? I know Pastor Jeff's watching this morning. He's, yeah, okay. That's, that's my kids, right? They've got this plan. Now, look, I'm a realist, and I understand that the chances of winning Publishers Clearinghouse is like one in two billion. But it was really interesting to see where their hearts were and to see what they wanted to do, all right? So we're gonna do a little exercise this morning, okay? I want you to close your eyes for just a second, okay? And I want you to imagine that after this service, you go home and yeah, you had your nap planned in mind, right? But God decides to, to change those plans, all right? Keep them closed for a second. Okay, you go home and the publisher's clearinghouse van is in front of your house and you have suddenly won this really, really large sum of money, all right? Now, I want you to think for just a second, what does the rest of your afternoon look like, all right? So do you, you maybe you call your friends, maybe you let your family know, maybe you go out to a nice dinner, Right, so, so let's, let's fast forward. Okay, you can open your eyes now. Okay, what does the rest of the week look like? Right, like are you gonna make any major purchases? Or maybe you'll keep this a secret. Like maybe you won't tell anybody. Maybe you'll go out and you'll buy a new car or you'll buy some new things for your house or maybe you'll buy a new house, right? Think about what you would do. So I've got a short video clip that I wanna show you. And this video clip is from one of the greatest movies of all times. And it shows how that despite the best of interests, sudden life altering events like this can actually change our priorities. If I'm being honest and Samuel had come to me and said, Ryan, you're going to be the next king of Israel. You got nothing to worry about for the rest of your life. Everybody's going to listen to everything you, you say. I'm probably going to look something like that. Okay. But, but you know what David did? The Bible hints at it. Sometime later, just before he goes out to fight Goliath, his dad tells him to go and take some food to his brothers who are on the front line of battle, right? And in so, so in chapter 17, verse 20, it says, so David left the sheep with another shepherd. All right, let's put two and two together here. Samuel has already come. He's anointed David. He's poured the $10 million on his head, right? He's told him that his life is going to be forever changed. And David goes right back into the field. See, he could have said, dad, I'm done with this. Like I'm going to be king, right? Those sheep are smelly and stinky and I don't want to mess with them anymore. And I've been doing this for years while my brothers were in the house chilling. But you know what? David was faithful. He was faithful to his God. He was faithful to his family. And he was faithful to the things that God had entrusted him to. See, it was a time of preparation for David. And so the story goes on and Jesse tells him to go ahead and take this food to his brothers, right? And he goes out and he sees this guy, Goliath. He sees this giant on the other side and his giant's begging them to send somebody out that's worthy to fight him. And in, in 1 Samuel 17, we're going to skip to verse 32. This is where David goes to the current king to convince the king to allow him to go fight Goliath. And I love this exchange. He says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. And I love Saul's response. Don't be ridiculous. Like, how's that for a vote of confidence? Like, hey, king, don't worry, relax. I'll go fight him. And the king just says, don't be ridiculous, Right? There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. And so this is where David just puts it all on the line. And he says, he sa it says, David persisted. He says, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. And when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, 
I go after it with a club and rescue it from its mouth. How gangster is that? (laughs) Now look, if I'm a shepherd and a lion or a bear comes to get one of my sheep and takes it off, I'm like, have a good lunch, right? See you never. And he says that he goes out and he rescues it from the, from, from, from the animal's mouth. He says, if an animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. No big deal. He says, I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God, and the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You know what gave David the confidence to go out and face Goliath? It was his time in the field. See, you know what? I'll bet most days were super boring and super monotonous. And he's out there and he's feeding the sheep and he's walking the sheep and he's probably cleaning up sheep poop. And you know, it's all day long with the sheep. And just about when David thinks he's seen everything that there is to see out in that field, a lion shows up right? And God delivers that lion into his hands. And you know what? After that, I bet there were a bunch of more boring and monotonous and plain old days where he was walking the sheep and feeding the sheep and cleaning up sheep poop. And then all of a sudden, just when he thinks he's seen everything, a bear shows up and God delivers the bear into his hands. See, David's dad discounted him. His brothers discounted him. Saul discounted. Saul says, just don't be ridiculous. Like you, you can't do this. You know, I'll never forget when Megan and I were getting ready to move to Brazil. And some of you have heard some of these stories. Uh, there, there was a friend of mine who knew kind of some things that we were about to get into down there and some people that we were going to have to confront and, and, and some situations we were going to have to face. And I remember this friend, it kind of got back to me. This friend said, when they get down there, they're going to eat him alive. I remember that, 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 that another friend of mine told me that he said that. And you know, it kind of hurt my feelings at first. And I was like, you know, is that what he thinks about me, right? But you know what's crazy? Is he actually would have been right, right? But, but I want to rewind and I want to tell you a little story about before we went to Brazil. So when I was in college, I was looking for a job. And I was put out a lot of resumes and I went to some interviews and I actually got two job offers in one week. All right. So this one job offer was at this stock options firm. All right. And it was looked really cool. I'm thinking like Wolf of Wall Street in my head. Right. I'm thinking like this is going to be amazing and I'm going to be, you know, making a lot of money. And 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 these people here are cool and this building's cool and everything around this is cool. And it was just kind of prestigious and, you know, it looked really good. And then I got this other job offer. And this was at an adolescent residential drug and alcohol treatment center, right? And it was, a, it, so the position was a, uh, a counselor tech, which really means like a glorified babysitter, all right? You need to make sure the kids don't use drugs and make sure that they don't run away. If you do that and everybody's alive at the end of your shift, you, you pretty much got it, all right? And there wasn't a lot of money and there wasn't a lot of prestige in it. And I remember thinking, no, 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 I don't want that. I want this over here, right? And so I called him up and I accepted the job and I went in my first day and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I'll never forget, they had this, uh, they had this thing that they had all the new people do, which is like renewing subscriptions to, to, to people who are following their stock trades. All right, and you had to call these people and try to get these subscriptions renewed. And I remember like the record was like 13 in a day. And I remember I did 40 my first day, all right? And so at the end of the day, they got this big circle around and they announced that I had done 40 and everybody's like clapping. And I'm thinking like, man, this is gonna be the best thing ever, right? And so as, the, as, as a couple of weeks got into it, I began to see how they did business. And I'm just gonna leave it at this. There were maybe some less than reputable business practices there, okay? And it began to get me like a little concerned for the people who were, who were investing. And this all kind of came to this culmination on this day that this guy calls me. He was like 80 years old and he saved up $100,000. And he's like, Ryan, this is what I want to live on for retirement. And so I'm going to give you my $100,000. I want you to, to have your guys invest it and I'm going to live off of that. And hopefully I'm going to be able to live off the residuals. 
And I, like, I felt this like sinking feeling in my gut, right? This is this guy's life savings. And I remember I told him, I said, you need, and I got kind of real quiet, right? Cause I'm at like this cubicle. I was like, you need to go down to your local bank and find a nice safe investment to put this in. That's gonna be able to, 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 to give you dividends, you know, and, and, and hopefully keep you sustained. And you need to forget that this company ever exists. I remember I said that on the phone, okay? Well, I was being recorded, all right? And so it's like 10 minutes later, my boss calls me into his office and look, I've seen some people mad before. Uh, this guy was like, there were veins popping out of his forehead. Like he was using words I'd never even heard before. And I remember thinking like, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think this is for me. And so I got home that night and I called the drug and alcohol rehabilitation. I said, hey, you know, I know I took this other position, but I don't think it's gonna work out. And so do you have anything still open? And they're like, oh yeah, we have your resident tech position open. The, the bad thing is it's not on first shift. We've only got a third shift open now, right? So, so not only am I going to the drug and alcohol rehabilitation center where I got to babysit the kids and make sure nobody dies on a shift, but now I'm doing it on third shift, right? So this, this, is, this is fantastic, right? So I get in there and you know what? The first night there, God just spoke to me and, and, and I really felt, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money, but I really felt like, hey, you know what, God? Like, you've given this to me and I wanna be diligent in it. I wanna be faithful in it. And so that's exactly what I decided to do. And I went like over and above the thing. Like, like you're just supposed to make sure like nobody runs away. And, and I was like taking care of stuff through the night. I was making spreadsheets for the staff on first shift and I was doing things. And you know what happened? They eventually promoted me, right? And I kept being diligent in that position. And then they promoted me again. And I kept being diligent in that position. And, and look, I'm gonna tell you, it, it was tough, right? I remember the first day that I came in, so I had, a, uh, I had a tie on for my interview. And they were like, hey, you look really nice. I like that, I remember she said, I like that suit and that tie, but don't ever wear a tie in front of the, uh, in front of the residents because they could use it to strangle you. Right? And like it kind of, sh okay, yeah. And I remember like within my first week, I got my first death threat. So this guy gets right up in my face and he's like, I don't like you and I'm gonna murder you. That's, I, I will never, never forget that sentence. He's like, I don't like you and I'm gonna murder you. And I'm like, and, and you know what? I kept on being faithful. Through all that, I just kept being faithful. And they kept promoting me until eventually I was the operations manager there. And I was running the place, right? And so, you know, when God called Megan and I to go and run adolescent residential facilities in Brazil, you know what my first thought was? I can do that. I, I, I got that. You know why? Because I had spent some time in the field. I had spent some time being faithful and diligent in the little things that God had given me. And now there were bigger things. And I remember them telling me, hey, Ryan, when you get to Brazil, like you're gonna deal with some really difficult kids. You know what? I've dealt with difficult kids. Yeah, but there's gonna be situations like you've never seen before and situations you know, where these kids come in and they've come right off the street and it's gonna be tough. No problem, I got it. You know why? because I had spent some time in the field. I was faithful on third shift when they were threatening to strangle me with my necktie and the guy called, told me he was gonna kill me. And now God had put me in charge of this, of this operation in Brazil. Why? Because I had been faithful in the field. See, God gave David the confidence that he needed just because he had been faithful with the sheep, right? So here's my third point. And this is the one I love, right? <laughs> that sounds pretty, uh, sounds pretty boastful, doesn't it? But I do, I love this one. Pivotal points in human history, they start in the field, right? So David's entire resume for convincing Saul that he could go out and fight Goliath was his time in the field. And so many times, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm the first one, like I just want Goliath, right? I don't want the time in the field. I just want to get out there. Give me a sword in my hand. I'm going to go slay a giant, right? I'll take on anything. But here's the thing. If you haven't been faithful, 
If you haven't been faithful to what your boss has told you to do, good luck with getting in the field, right? If you haven't been faithful in the little things that God's entrusted you to, if I've been an absent husband when God's trusted me with my wife, good luck taking on bigger things in the future. If, if my kids are around me and they need my attention and I can't put my, my cell phone down, like in the day-to-day, -day, in the normal, in the regular grind, good luck going on to the bigger and better things. Because the preparation for these things comes in the field. See, we come in here on Sunday mornings and Michael and Hannah and Adam are up here and they're worshiping God and it's great and we're all going into worship and it feels good and Pastor Jeff gets up here and he's speaking a word and, and man, we're just, you know, we're getting something out of this. But you know what? I encourage you to come in here on a Thursday. Now, on Thursday is when we have the majority of our, like our staff meetings, right? And so I'm gonna tell you what it looks like. You've got Drew and Jeanette in a corner over here and they're working on a spreadsheet or something like that. And Michael's back there at the lights and he's prepping things to, 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 to go off for Sunday. And, and Matthew, you know, Matt's got, he, he's working on some video or some details for the, you know, for the service on Sunday. And, and Elena and Adesia are back there and, and, and they're prepping things for your kids so that you can drop them off in a safe place and be able to come in here and lift up your hands and listen to the Holy Spirit and know what he's speaking to you. You know what they're doing on Thursday? They're just being faithful in the field. They're just being faithful with the things that God's given them because that's where God builds character and that's where God builds your foundations. So a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jeff uh, spoke a message on foundations. And in 2 Peter, Peter actually gives us the building blocks for foundations. And here's what he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. He says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. You know what? God gives us a lot of promises. He gives us a lot of grace. But he also asks us to respond to his promises. And here's how we do it. He says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. All right, so here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm building a foundation in you and it's gonna start with faith, right? And we're all good with faith, right? We love faith and we come in here and love to, love to worship the Lord. He says, but on top of that, I want you to put moral excellence or another translation says virtue. All right, so now the faith part is easy for me anyway, right? And then moral excellence now, I get out of here on Sunday and go out here on 75 and let somebody cut me off, right? That's when I'm gonna see what kind of moral excellence that I have. So he says, he says, and, and, and supplement moral excellence. In other words, here's the next building block with knowledge. You know, the whole reason we're rolling out DNA is to fill you with biblical knowledge, right? Isn't it enough that I come in here and I worship the Lord and I lift up my hands and I love him and I love his presence? Nope, it isn't. And listen, I love to worship more than anybody. But the Bible says that he wants you to be filled with biblical knowledge so that you can have an answer for the people in the world who are gonna ask about your faith. In verse six, he says, and knowledge with self-control. There's a big one. And self-control with patient endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. And this is the kicker, verse eight. He says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we want us, we're, we're tempted to say, hey, why hasn't God blessed me with that promotion, right? Why hasn't God blessed me with that husband or that wife? You know, it's okay. He's just got you in the field for a little bit of time, right? And he's just building your foundation so that when he blesses you with those things, they don't break you, but they make you stronger. Amen. All right, here's point number four. Uh, Ray, you can come on up. We're gonna, we're gonna close this out. You'll never become what God has called you to be until you're faithful in the ordinary. 
So if you look at all of the stories in the Bible, every single one in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you look at Abraham, you look at Noah, you look at Moses, you look at Joseph, Ruth, Jesus, Paul, like everyone throughout the Bible, God tested them to be faithful in the ordinary. Why? Because that's where character is developed. That's where your foundations are produced. The field is where you discover why you're here on planet Earth. So a few weeks ago, Drew and I were back in the, in the broadcast room. And Drew was just talking to me about just some difficulties in life, right? Just some difficult things that he's going through and, and uh, you know, difficulties with kids and, and, and job and, and his fair's work schedule and just some things, just they're, they're trying to just juggle life like all of us, right? And he was talking about his group and the blessings that had been happening during his, Drew, Drew one of many things that he does is, is lead a group on, uh, on Wednesday nights, a, a group for young married people. Um, and he sends me this text message from this family that had sent him a message. And they were, they were having problems with, with one of their children in school. And it, it's kind of started out to be a small thing, but it, it kind of grew into one of those big things. You know what I'm talking about? Where it like causes some stress in the family and it causes some anxiousness and it causes like us to have conversations about this. And, and as a group, they came together and they committed to just pray for this situation, right? That's all it was. They were just praying for them and, and, and checking up on this couple. And this couple sends Drew this text message and I want to read it. He says, I just want to thank you both for praying for my daughter and our family. I randomly received three separate reports from school this week on how great she was doing with reading and math. It is as if something just clicked with her in the past week. And I don't think it's any coincidence that it corresponds with the extra prayers we've received. I know you both understand how hard it is to see your child struggle. And I'm sitting here in te with tears in my eyes right now because this is such a big relief. And all I wanted was to see her progress and learn to love school. And I can see that now. Praise God. I'm so thankful for both of you and our church family. And, you know, Drew had been talking to me about just, hey, it's hard to keep things together and juggle all our schedules. And, and this is the line he put after that text message. He said, this is why we do what we do. See, every time you get overwhelmed in the ordinary, just remember that your time in the field, it isn't in vain. The tough days, they aren't in vain. See, David wasn't just killing the giant for David. He was killing it for all of Israel, right? Every time God gives you a victory, there are people around you who automatically benefit from that victory. And in fact, they had made a, a declaration. They said, hey, if our champion loses, if, if, if our champion wins and your champion loses, you're going to be our slaves for generations to come. So David wasn't even winning the, gener the, 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 the battle just even for that generation in Israel. It was for multiple generations to come. See, it, it, it isn't easy when, when you just don't, can't see breakthrough and you you can't see a way out and you, you can't, and, and it feels like you're just going in circles. But I'm gonna tell you, he's using the field to develop your character. He's using the field to bring you victory. And he's using the field to bring victory to those around you, amen? Would you stand with me? We're gonna close this out. And I wanna share something with you real quick as we do. Uh, you know, first of all, I'll just say this. <laughs> that I'll bet when that bear came and David was out there, I bet when that happened for the first time, I bet that felt like a really, really crappy day. Or when the lion came, I bet it felt like a really, really bad day. But you know what? He was just using it to build David's faith because he knew that David would stand in front of Goliath and that Israel was gonna need a champion. As he said, I'm gonna prepare you, I'm gonna prepare your character, I'm gonna prepare your foundations so that when you get in front of the real enemy, you're gonna know exactly what to do. And that's what God's doing with you this morning. Thursday, I went to the hospital to see Dan. And for those of you who don't know, Dan was a greeter here. 
And, and every time you would come in, Dan had a smile on his face. Every single time. Never saw Dan, that, that he wasn't just happy. And and you know, one of the messages that I got actually this week was talking about the greeters. And, 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 and this lady said on here, she said, uh, she said, my favorite thing on my first visit to Elevate was the instant community that I felt. I felt welcomed and loved before I even set foot in the church by the wonderful greeters. And she, she goes on a little bit to talk about her time during COVID and how she kind of felt isolated and how every time she came in and just seeing those smiling faces, as you're coming in the door, like made such a difference to this, to this individual. And you know, Bernie told me while we were up there and we were praying, we were praying with Dan and, and she said, hey, I have a photo that I wanna show you. And I'm, I'm gonna show it to you this morning if they'd put it up there. And I asked her her permission to share this. And she said, absolutely, please share it. Now, I know this is kind of small and this is hard to see, um, but I wanna tell you what, what you're looking at here. So Dan would wake up every single morning, every single weekday morning, and he would go over to his daughter's house and he would help get her kids prepared for school, right? And so he would pray over them. He would pray over them every single day. And they called him Papa, right? And they would say, <laughs> they. Bernie told me that they would say, pray on my head, Papa. Like they, he, they wanted him to lay his hands on their head before they got on the bus to go to school. You know what Dan was doing? He was just being faithful in the field. He was just being faithful to the things that God had called him to do. And see now, Dan sees our savior face to face, right? And he heard those words, enter in good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a couple little things that I entrusted you with. Now I'm gonna put you in charge of a whole lot of things. And you know what? He did that in front of the hosts of heaven. See what I love about this story about David? You know, God could have told Samuel to go out in the field and anoint David, right? But he didn't do that. He said, no, bring him inside. He said, I wanna do it in front of everyone. What David has done in private, I'm gonna honor in front of everyone. See, Dan may have never been famous on this earth. Maybe this earth never knew his, his name, right? But heaven does because he was faithful, because he was faithful in the field. Listen, if, you, uh, if you're in here this morning, uh, and you've never accepted the Lord into your heart. I wanna tell you something. I've never seen anything else that truly works in all of these situations. I remember when I went to that drug and alcohol rehabilitation, I don't know why it's here for me on the stage, but it's here, right? When I worked there, you know, they gave me an opportunity during the, the interview. They said, they said, do you have any questions for us? And I remember I asked him, I said, what's your recidivism rate? In other words, when, when, when people get clean, what's, what's the rate that they go back to using drugs? And I remember she told me, it's 90%. And, and I was thinking 90% of people who get clean go back to drugs who have come through this facility. You know, the only thing that I ever saw break addiction, I had a friend of mine who was just, it, it was lines of Coke every single day. You know, the only thing that set him free, it was Jesus. I've seen people who were depressed, who were addicted, who were bound. And the only thing that I, maybe you've got some other secret. And if you do, let me in on it. But the only thing that I've ever seen that works is Jesus. He explained it like this. He said, when you're bound like that, when you're bound up in something, he said, it's like a strong man has come in and taken possession of all of your things, right? And the strong man's got you. But he said, today, one stronger than the strong man is here. If you've never accepted Jesus in your heart, can, hey, can we do something? I know we don't always do this and that's okay. It's a little bit different. Just close your eyes for a second. If you've never accepted Jesus in your heart, there's nobody looking around. 
would you just lift up your hand? Would you just raise up your hand with me? Because we're gonna say a prayer here in a second and we're we're gonna ask the Lord to come in and we're gonna ask him to fill our lives. Can you repeat this prayer after me? Can you say, Father, come into my heart. Set me free. Make me your child. Show me your love for me. Show me your grace. Show me your mercy. And I'm gonna live for you every day for the rest of my life. Now, Father, I pray over your people. God, and I thank you, Lord, that something that was said this morning, that your Holy Spirit took those words like an arrow and put it right into their heart, put it right into the place that you want it to be. Lord, I got nothing for these people, but Lord, your Holy Spirit has everything that they need, every bit of spiritual food and nourishment from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So God, I pray you minister to them today. I pray you take out the things that you don't want to be there and put in the things that you do want to be there. Lord, I pray that you develop character in them. Lord, I pray that you develop a foundation in them. God, you root out those inferior things. And Lord, I pray you pour blessings on them. God, I pray for greatness over this congregation. Lord, I declare that they are a group of giant slayers. And Lord, the preparation for slaying those giants is gonna be their time in the field. It's gonna be their time in the mundane, in the regular day today, God. Now, Lord, we bless your people, God. We thank you for them. God, we pray that you give them grace and strength and love and a sound mind throughout this week. God, let them minister to somebody and let them share the unfailing, unchanging love of Jesus Christ with them. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Can you get real loud for Jesus?